All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hello, friend. This is an episode of Note to Self, but from when we used to be called New Tech City. Same good content, just the old name. Enjoy. From WNYC, this is New Tech City, where digital gets personal. I'm Manoush Zamarodi. This week, we're going to learn the quirky lengths that our military and our coffee shops are going to have to go to defend against cyber attacks. Now tell me. How worried do you actually get when you hear these news stories? A massive cyber attack on U.S. banks. That's Computer being hacking was discovered earlier this month on an unclassified White House but system. Federal officials say the hackers targeted financial giant J.P. Morgan Chase, the nation's Terrifying biggest bank. news for Target customers this holiday season. Home Depot says hackers got access to 56 million credit and debit cards. Being reported the hack could cost Sony Pictures $100 million. So these mega companies are supposed to have top-notch security, but we're seeing hackers break into one after another. Like every other month, they're obviously not doing such a good job. Like, for example, when Sony got hacked as a result of what was leaked from their computer files, the world now knows that Tom Hanks likes to travel under the pseudonym Johnny Madrid. I'm not sure what's worse, his choice of name or the fact that we know that now. On a more serious note, Four cybersecurity bills made it to the White House in December alone. And I had no idea, but the Army's first cyber protection brigade was activated in September. 20 teams of about 40 soldiers and civilians, all being trained to protect the United States virtually. The Army is even considering relaxing the physical fitness standards for these soldiers. Like, forget 100 push-ups. Drop to your chair and crack that data system. Now! So I wanted to know who is actually training these cyber warriors, as they're called. And it turns out it's not a drill sergeant. It's a guy named Ed Scotus. Ed runs the private security company called the Sands Institute, which the U.S. military has hired to train its cyber teams. So in the beginning, Ed built cyber war games, kind of like video games. The first version was called Net Wars. But now Ed does his training out of an undisclosed location in New Jersey. And he does it in a rather unusual way with something called Cyber City. So you turn left and go up the stairs. This is the main laboratory. Oh, my God. This is incredible. Well, you can see what I mean by the uh, sort of inspiration. I decided to ask veteran radio producer Eric Malinsky to go for a visit, and he joins me now. Hi, Eric. Hi, Manoush. Okay, so Eric, the reason I asked you to go, I think I couldn't make it because I was chaperoning a class trip or something. Anyway, I wanted you to go because your specialty is reporting on the intersection of reality 
and fantasy. It's what you do for Kurt Anderson on Studio 360 a lot. It's what you do on your podcast, Imaginary Worlds. I like it. That's my that's my beat. So, Eric, let's start with the old way that Ed Scotus used to work with the military and how and why that sort of changed. One day, Ed was on a military base because he, he works with the military a lot. And uh, he was promoting his software, NetWars. And the base commander took him aside. And he said to us, he said, we love your NetWars stuff. This is really cool. We're going to use it. But you have a problem. NetWars is all based on computers. He said, what we need is something that teaches our warriors that cyber action can have kinetic effect. The base commander basically wants to show his soldiers that cyber warfare it can have real-life consequences. It's not just like on a screen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where, you know, they worry that water systems could be contaminated or an airline traffic controller could lose track of planes or a train could derail. I sent an email to my whole team and the subject of the email was crazy idea. And the email said, wouldn't it be nifty if we could build a miniature city, maybe make it six feet by eight feet and cyber warriors would have to hack into it? or defend it against hacks, and we could have like a real power grid in there, and we could have stuff that would move, there would be video cameras that would stream all the video. So you think it would be easier just to make like a digital world? You know, why bother building an actual city with miniature moving parts when Ed could just code SimCity on steroids? Certain people in the military, if you tell them that, hey, one of your folks was able to hack into a power grid and turn the lights back on, Certain people in the military leadership would look at that and say, you just showed me that my people could play a video game. That's not real. It's a video game. Whereas we could say, uh, actually, it was a real power grid. Admittedly controlling the electrical flow to a city whose you know, surface area is uh, 48 square feet, but still. Building a mini town, you know, complete with a coffee shop and a train station, a hospital, all to help soldiers visualize and simulate a cyber attack – turned out to be a lot harder than he thought it would be. Oh, but that sounds so cool. It's totally reminded me of the dollhouse that my dad built for me when I was 10, mm -hmm. obviously with like a serious upgrade. <laughs> but wait, just to reset, at this point, had you actually seen Cyber City? No. So after going from his office, we went through the secret passage. We went to this room underground with laptops. And Cyber City is actually in a room within a room, within the monitoring room. Okay. And so Ed first wanted to show me how everyone in the world sees Cyber City, which is through these five live streaming cameras. And then I finally got to go into the room, which holds the little Cyber City itself. Let's go ahead and walk in the city. Oh my God, this is so cool. I particularly like the view of Cyber City at night. Oh my God, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. The street lights really make it. Do you want to do a power outage for us? Sure. Yeah. The detail is so amazing. The, the doors that go down to the. Huh? Isn't that eerie? When the power just goes out. It's just like when the power just goes out, right? Tom, can you start it up again? And we're back. And he bought all the parts from a hobby shop. I mean, the most expensive stuff there is the electrical equipment under the model because they're trying to match real-world technology. But everything in the model has a very specific purpose. Like there's a reservoir with LED lights, blue for normal, yellow for contaminated. So fake water that tells you if it's clean or not. Right. 
And then there's a thin glowing line that runs across the ground, and that's the natural gas pipeline, which is total terrorist bait. There's a chemical plant building, and they use yellow lights to signal if there's a fire. There's an airport with a radar tower that's hackable. There's also an army base nearby with a rocket launcher that the terrorists can hack into. And then all the while, the people being trained are actually watching while they're on their military bases, wherever they might be, which is like Kentucky or Afghanistan. Yeah, anywhere. I mean, they're they're actually called cyber warriors. And so this is what the view of CyberCity looks like from their webcams. You can see on the streets, there's quite a level of detail. There's fire hydrants, there are mailboxes, and then let's go to the houses over in the residential quadrant. There's a dog, there's a uh, rug that's airing out, there's a rocking chair on the porch. I told you it feels kind of like home, right? I mean, I know intimately every little bit of the city. You can see the, the, the flower boxes in front of the, in front of the window. Are these also, are these little details just to remind you that, the, that there are people living in this, yes. this city? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we purposely omitted from the city any physical representation of humans. And he loves the cyber mm-hmm. city so much that he feels like if he saw actual little people in it, mm-hmm. it would be almost distracting. It would distract him from the technical challenge. Mm-hmm. So you know? he wants people to focus. Yeah. But there are instead 15,000 virtual people living in cyber city, which is really important. And they're created you know, on computers by the people who are working in that secret room upstairs. Those people in cyber city are not like physical little people. What they are is their their data. So in cyber city, we have um, we have a bank, and many of the people have bank accounts. We have a hospital. Most of the residents have birth records in the hospital. Some of them are getting um, various medical treatments. They have prescription medications. All that stuff is in the the hospital. Um, we have social networking inside of um, cyber city. We have something very like. Facebook. We have something very much like Twitter. We have a newspaper in Cyber City. We call it the Cyber City Sentinel. So, so for example, we'll have a reporter who writes Cyber City Sentinel articles. Uh, that reporter also has a bank account. That reporter also has birth records. She has a family. So there's, there's really, a, I guess the way to describe it is sort of a fabric of the citizenry of Cyber City. So the, the scenario I watched, remember he he pulled the power right. and there was that actual blackout in the city. And then he brought me back to the outer room where the laptops were and I got to read on their their virtual newspaper, the Cyber City Sentinel, how it immediately, like immediately reported the blackout. There we go. Cyber City power restored after mysterious outage. These these journalists in Cyber City are fast. Yeah. I mean, within 15 seconds, they got an article already published with quotes and everything. Notice the, the date. It's today's date. And I see ads on top for the hospital. The oh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's go to Turing International Airport, the website for that. Did you see that? He clicked on the link on the ad on the Cyber City Sentinel, and it brought him automatically to the airport website. So the flights arrive and they leave. Oh, is this, is this regularly updating? Like as oh, if, yeah. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. Regularly updating just like it, like it was real. In a minute, what the military is actually worried about. The coffee shop is right across the street from the bank and the hospital. And bankers from the bank and doctors from the hospital will go to the coffee shop and use the free Wi-Fi, as you might expect. And what Ed thinks the likelihood of an attack actually is.
Last week, our show was about what to do when offensive or racist comments start showing up on your Facebook feed. And this was something a lot of you said was happening after the Eric Garner and Ferguson, Missouri protests. And so my question was, when do you unfriend these people? Many of you weighed in on our newly created New Tech City Facebook page. Yay! And a few camps started to emerge. Some of you, like Eric Commander, said people who turn your newsfeed into a hostile place aren't worth the energy. In his words, quote, these are not real friends anyway, unquote. Here's how Kimberly Wadsworth put it, quote, so many of us have people on our feeds we barely call acquaintances in real life, unquote. Unfriend and fast. That was the ruling from that camp. But about as many of you said it's important to engage, important for you, important for society. Kathy Kelly summed up this line of thinking, quote, speak up, let them know you disagree. Change can't happen if we just pretend we're okay with racist and biased comments, unquote. Some of you thought our advice on starting a healthy race dialogue was just too soft. You said public shaming is the way to go. I don't know about that, but clearly this episode struck a chord and we would love to keep the conversation going. I want to be here for you to explore these future messy digital dilemmas. we got to figure it all out together. So if you've ever seen something in your online life that you want to have us hash out together on the show, let us know. The best way to do it is to record yourself with your phone and then email it to us. We're newtechcity at wnyc.org and, of course, New Tech City on Facebook and Twitter. Okay, we're back, visiting the little cyber city at an undisclosed location in New Jersey. Seriously, the location is a military secret. It's very mysterious. But producer Eric Malinsky got to go there anyway. And Eric, I gotta say, this actually sounds like a great town, cyber city. Hardworking journalists, a well-run airport, even if it is only 48 square feet. I know. And they have like a booming little tech industry and they have great public <laughs> transportation. But the coffee shop is a problem. The coffee shop is right across the street from the bank and the hospital. And bankers from the bank and doctors from the hospital will go to the coffee shop and use the free Wi-Fi, as you might expect. And then they make connections back into the bank and back into the hospital. Unfortunately, the, um, the coffee shop in Cyber City is a hotbed of terrorist activity. So terrorists go into the coffee shop, they hack into the doctor's laptops, and then will ride across their connections into the hospital and try to cause mayhem in the hospital. Okay, so luckily, Eric, no small miniature people are now running for their lives away from this hotbed of terrorist activity. But, like, how realistic is this? Like, could this happen? You know, it, it can, but hacking into like a tiny power grid, as realistic as it is, is definitely not the same as doing it in real life. When you go up to full-size scale, there are additional dependencies and cascading things that no one currently really knows about because of the complexity of this at high scale so or at regular scale. So we're modeling the stuff to help people get smarter about it at small scale. Yeah, because that's the nature of, of a training exercise, you know, for the cyber warriors in the U.S. military to hone their skills and get faster and get better at their job. And so when Ed's team starts an exercise, the cyber warriors don't know anything going into it. 
They receive mission orders written in mm-hmm. standard military code like any war game scenario. They're given uh, access to certain computer systems and we say go. It's really exciting <laughs> to see a room of like 50 operators all working hard to achieve their mission objectives. So you got five streaming video feeds showing different aspects of what's happening in the city. And then one of the teams of operators achieves its objective and you see something happen on the screen. The whole room gets really quiet and then they all start applauding. It's, it's really cool. So Ed's team might say that a group of terrorists have hijacked a train and put radioactive material on it. And as you remember, there's a toy train in this model city, and it's run by the same kind of system that New York's MTA or maybe Amtrak would use. And then you as the cyber warrior have to take over the train's computer and stop it or derail it. So it's like a cross between Keanu Reeves and Speed and like the model train show at Grand Central every Christmas. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'm sorry. I have to joke about this because imagining that happening for real, it – freaks me out. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's their job is to imagine this freaky stuff. I mean, so like another mission is the terrorists have taken over the computer of a water company and tricked it into thinking that the water is contaminated. So then the computer automatically releases chemicals into Mm -hmm. the water to uncontaminate it. But that's how it gets contaminated. And they came up with the scenario first and then they checked with the water company and found out that that is a real scenario that water companies are really worried about. Oh, my God. Jesus. Evian for everyone, please. We can also establish certain rules of engagement that make the mission especially hard. I mean, this is quite realistic, right? You might have a rule of engagement that says, okay, you, you, you have to achieve this particular goal. And you're not allowed to touch these buildings because maybe they're religious institutions or you're not allowed to touch those buildings because they're schools. And we set up missions where the easiest way to get through is to go through the school. It's just not allowed any rules of engagement. And this is one of the reasons why the military really likes these scenarios. In fact, one of the guys once said to us, he says, I like the fact that you have the possibility of getting negative score because we have this thing in the military we called getting shot and it hurts. And we want to kind of model the fact that if you do the wrong thing, it hurts. Okay, Eric, that hits home for me. We're talking about life and death consequences. And then there's this mad scientist guy playing out all these cyber war games from secret rooms in suburban New Jersey. Just how worried is Ed? I mean, mm. this is, you know, it's, 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 we're kind of laughing, but it's dark. Yeah, but actually, I mean, I think that's why he has all that stuff. That's why he has so much fun with it. And, you know, they even do zombie missions sometimes <laughs> just to lighten the mood. I mean, there's like a – he showed me there's like a little DeLorean from Back to the Future in the model. And I feel like the more he gets into this, the more unsettled he feels. When you see, you know, one of these large-scale breaches, the bad guys are pulling together lots of different information from lots of different places and using that to target – the organization that suffers the breach. We actually, for some of our hospital systems, we had to change the code in them to make them more secure than they would be in a regular hospital. Otherwise, it's just too trivial to hack. So overall, doing all this, does this make you feel safer knowing that you're two steps ahead, or does this make you feel less safe knowing that there's an infinite amount of scenarios you have yet to dream of? it, It makes me realize that there is a lot of work needed to secure this infrastructure. So I guess that's a fancy way of saying it makes me feel less secure. That said, through this kind of simulation, we can underscore the need to improve its security. I mean, that's the bottom line is how do we defend this stuff? Gosh, Eric, to me, Ed Scotus and his cyber warfare simulation, it just really further muddies the debate about NSA, the NSA and privacy. You know, I don't want to be secretly monitored by our government 
But I also do worry that I just don't have the imagination of a Homeland Security official. What about you, Eric? After your visit with Ed, do you feel safer knowing that he's out there in New Jersey? Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is I came in there wondering, is this model town really necessary? But now I I really hope it pays off. Because like when I got home and I was listening back to the tape, I heard Ed mention something, which I hadn't noticed in the moment, that some of these missions could take hours. And so I emailed them and I was like, wait, did you say hours? Because if there's a train with a dirty bomb on it, in real life, you don't have the luxury of time, of hours. And he wrote back, that's why they're practicing. (laughs) So in real life, they can do it quicker. And the military does seem to think it's useful. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've requested 20 more missions for them to design. All from an undisclosed location in New Jersey. By Newark Airport. Right, Eric? Oh... I wish I could tell you, but no. Okay, fine. (laughs) You can see Cyber City, that cute little town that's training our military to protect the nation. Pictures are on our website at newtechcity.org. I personally love the playground. And if you want to geek out further with Eric Malinsky, he's pretty fun. He hosts a podcast about science fiction and other fantasy genres called Imaginary Worlds. Eric, thank you so much. Thank you. So here's the thing, listeners. There are certain subjects in technology. I think Bitcoin is one of them. Cybersecurity is another that, you know, they can just be hard to think about in human terms. There are lots of headlines and breathless reports on the TV about them, but we don't actually know why we should care about them. So if there's another topic like Bitcoin, like cybersecurity, like online privacy that you think, you know, I know I should care about this, but I just don't yet challenge me. Say, I challenge you to do a story about this subject that sounds so freaking boring and we will make it interesting for you and we will explain to you why you should care. If indeed you should, we'll first figure that out. But anyway, you know where you can reach us, right? Email us at newtechcity at wnyc.org or leave a comment at newtechcity.org. Seriously, I accept your mission. Next week, sleep. Delicious, delicious sleep and how technology has disrupted it through the ages, and what you can do about it. This is an update to an episode we did earlier this year. If you missed it, oh, it's a good one, one of my favorites. If you heard it, listen again, because healthy habits require vigilance. And I would just experience the natural dusk, and it's a very profound, tranquilizing thing to do. Just having bright lights on and then suddenly off is very different than this... There's something, like I say, sort of tranquilizing and sedating about the gradual fading of the light. We just don't experience that at all. If you liked this episode, please share it on Facebook and tag your friend who cares about this stuff or just loves model trains. And if you're new to the program, subscribe and rate us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you like to listen to on-demand audio. Podcasting is big, don't you know? Thanks so much for listening. I'm Anoush Samarodi. See you next week. He had a picture of his brain. He had an MRI of his brain years ago Uh because he thought there may be something wrong, but he's fine. But then he just decided to frame it. So it's really weird. He's like, this is my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great.